One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I am joined in with a supremely special guest. We have Solomon Petrovsky. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much, Beast. It's a pleasure. A pleasure. So maybe, um, Sol, did you want to, I guess, set the framework, I guess, and let my Mm. listeners know how we even connected? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a story, isn't it? <laughs> How many years ago was it now? Jeez, I think it was about, yeah, probably like four years. Four, four or five, maybe? Five. Yeah, I remember, you know, stepping out, having about 30 students. So I, I was teaching a counselling and communications lecture at uh, a particular university or across a few universities, actually, and... I remember it being week one and, you know, doing what we do in week one with a few activities just to get the blood flowing and get the students a little bit uncomfortable. And I just remember looking across, man, and I remember the stars in your eyes. Like, how, how would you describe it? Like, it's like we were destined to meet. There was like that look you had in your eyes. But like, hang on, this is what I've been searching for. Mm. like the missing link. Mm. And I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that look in your eyes. It was, uh, you know, you get one or two of them every class that are like, hang on, this is what I've been looking for. <laughs> and and they're the, you know, they're the really special ones that go on and create amazing things. And, you know, here we are all these years later. Here we are. You know, uh, Lucas, Lucas touches base with me every couple of months and he's like, 
man, I'm still using your lessons from class, man. Like I used paraphrasing the other day in sales and this and that, and he gets really excited. So we thought it was about time that we jump on together and have a chat. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I want to just reflect back on that class that we had. And I remember the very first, that very first class, I even remember the classroom. So, you know, <laughs> so well, and just, I remember you saying like something like, you know, this sub, you'll never be the same after this subject. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, talking who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm a really sciencey, nerdy type of guy. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, this is going to challenge my current way of, you know, viewing health and healing and, and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, I definitely... It's a, it's a big claim to make, isn't it? Well, you had to live up to it, man. And I tell- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I think even after the very first class, like the very first session we had, I do remember even straight after that feeling different, different, even after that first class, whether or not it was just your ability to maybe just allow students to really check in with themselves, like, like really take a step back from just that constant hustle auto autopilot mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember like, yeah, just, going through some of the skills that we learned and, and realizing like so much about that ther- therapeutic relationship, which, you know, I'd love to, we, I want to dive into that today with you. Um, of course, man. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we can, um, well, let's look at something. I mean, you said before around how I still message you here and there saying, I'm still <laughs> using the things you tell me about. Yeah. Yeah. Things like, something as simple as like paraphrasing, you know? Yeah. Uh, paraphrasing is I've, I've built my business off, off just two skills and it, it sounds too simple to be true, but you know, anything that's really simple to do is really complex to execute, mm. you know, and it takes a lot of years to practice, you know, and the two, the two fundamental you know, human relationship tools that that we all, to a certain degree, use. You know, some some are more some are more honed than others. Is listening well and feeding back accurately. Mm. And I've I've built my entire practice, my entire career, my entire business is built off those two principles: is to listen really, really well, and to feed back as accurately as I can. And to do both those things actually requires as little of me as possible. As little of me as possible. So that's where it gets lost. We think as people, we need as much of us as possible. But the more of us that's there, the more the more of us that's, you know, getting in the way with our own understandings, getting in the way with our own perceptions. Mm. And actually what that does is it stops listening. You can't actually hear when you're there, when you're when you're in the way with your own understanding. So actually it takes quite a fair bit to not be there, to actually take yourself out of it, to clean your ears out, so to speak, 
and to tune your frequency in to the other person. Yeah, it's quite a skill. And then when you can do that, when you can really hone in on what that person might be talking about, the feedback you give them can be almost close to perfect. And you'll hear things like, you've hit the nail on the head. I've never heard it put like that before. Or it's terrifying how much you get me. But it's not me that's doing it. I'm just getting myself to the side and allowing them to tell me. And all I'm doing is just trying to feed back to them what they're already saying. And yeah, I built my entire business off it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two, two, two really simple, fundamental, human, universal principles. Listen well, feedback accurately. Because mm-hmm. right? ultimately, what do we all want as people? <laughs> to what be, do we all want? Be understood. To, to be, be understood, man. To be met. To be met. To be understood. Mm-hmm. And if I'm... If I'm jumping in with my own understanding of what I think you're talking about, I'm not meeting you. I'm not understanding you. I'm understanding myself through you. Mm. And that's that's not meeting. And that's how most of us operate, yeah? yeah. It's crazy just to think about <laughs> that. It's so simple. So, yeah. so But, like, the temptation is for most people to just jump in, right? Like, yeah, but why is there? Why is the temptation there? Like, what is that? It's a number of things. You know, sensei would say that it's the human need to understand. So we have a deep inherent need to understand. We don't like sitting in discomfort. We don't like it. We don't like that space, and we don't like the the feeling that it creates. You know, for me to get to know someone. I've got to almost err on the side of never being quite sure what I'm being told. And it goes completely against our instinct because our instinct is to try and understand. Yeah. Yeah. But what are we using to understand? We're using what we know. But I want to move that to the side because I want to get closer to you, Lucas. So, you know, I err on the side of not understanding what you're telling me. So then what that does is it it prompts me to ask more questions. It prompts me to get more interested. Mm. Even if I'm 100% certain I know what you're talking about, I block it. I push it to the side. Yeah? And I'll ask you another question. Yeah? I might say, can you elaborate on that a little bit more for me? That right there, that word. What do you mean when you say that? Or what is it that you want me to hear? I mean, I'm hearing a number of different things and, you know, I can extrapolate on any of them, but what is it that you really want me to hear? And that question there for all your listeners, was one that was given to me a long time ago. It's, it's not mine, so, you know, happy to, happy to put it out there. It's one that I use all the time. It's, you know, I've got a lot of information. I can get really overwhelmed over here at trying to, pick what you want me to take from that or I can just put it on you and ask you what do you want me to hear takes all the pressure off me takes me out of the picture and it lets you tell me what it is that you want me to hear and just that in itself makes you feel like you're being heard and listened to something as simple as that can change the course of the work a client and I might be doing and potentially the rest of their life, just from a simple question. 
So that's what I mean when I say you're never going to be the same again after you after we do 10 weeks because it's 10 weeks of that. It's just 10 weeks of being challenged, nonstop being challenged. Well, what do you mean? Well, tell me more. Well, what do you mean by that? And it's great because I get challenged in class, as you probably would have seen, you know. It can be quite confronting to some students might, you know, take some things personally and, and challenge me. Mm. And it's beautiful because if I don't take that personally, it's just more, it's more angles. Yeah. You asked me about that the other day about being the leader in the room and being the alpha in the room. And what does that mean to be the alpha in the room? And it's not, it's not dominating the conversation and telling people what they should think or what the right answer is. It's that understanding. And this is from sensei again, everybody is right. Everybody is right. Everybody's perception of where they are in the world is right to them. Now, again, that might rub some people up the wrong way because we love to live in a right and wrong world, as you know right now with with what we're all going through, right? They're right, they're wrong. But actually, everyone's right. Are you willing to take the time to actually hear you know, how their perception of right differs to yours. And you take the fight out of it. My job is to always just take the fight out, whether I'm with a client or whether I'm with anyone. Just take the fight out, take the fight out, take the tension and the resistance out and get closer to meeting that other person. Mm. And that's another reason why we're quick to understand because we don't like sitting in that uncertain space. Mm. We'd much rather know and we'd much rather close that gap. So for your listeners, next time next time you're having a conversation with someone, free it up a little bit. Give yourself a bit of space. Don't talk. Yeah? Just sit for a few seconds before you answer. See what it feels like. You'll hear a whole bunch of stuff come up for you. It'll give you a whole new catalog of things that you weren't even aware was there when you were chatting or when you are chatting to someone. <laughs> it's oh, it's just so simple, but it just it's so powerful. It's, it's so- deep, man. It's deep. Mm. Yeah. And that that's the look. If your listeners were wondering what the look was, it's it's that one. The one where you're shaking your head going. What is this guy? What are you talking about? (laughs) But I love it. (laughs) So, yeah, those principles, those two ones, they built my business and and they're the ones you always come back to me with. Like, you know, they're really true listening and and feeding back effectively. So. Mm. With that process of actively listening and then feedback to the client, yeah. What, what does that do with like building trust and rapport? Like how does that, how does that work? I think it's fundamental to building trust and rapport. Mm. Um, you know, when someone new sits down in front of me, I mean, we're, we're essentially two strangers in a room. Yeah. And there's so much resistance in that chair because they haven't told their closest people 
some of the stuff that they're trying to prepare to that that they're preparing to tell me. Doesn't matter what what sphere, whether it's counselling, uh, coaching, business planning, whatever it is, because it's all connected, right? It's all connected to here. And that's another thing we can touch on. Everything's connected. Yeah? All these labels, counselling, coaching, whatever, it's they're all the same thing in essence because they come from the same person. Hmm. So the way I use that to build rapport is I want to show that I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in that person that nothing, nothing else matters to me. And this is where self-care comes into it. Yes. And I know, and I know I'm, I'm branching out a little bit. So, you know, stop me if I'm, uh, this, if I'm going too fast, this is really relevant because it's yeah, it's like check in with yourself before you even enter that space. You have got to, you've got to. There's an old saying, yeah, the client controls the story, but I control the room. Hmm. So again, the client controls the story, the practitioner controls the room. Yeah, and I don't control the room by what I say; I control it by how I am. I control it by who I am. I control it by how I'm feeling, whether I'm energetic. Like if I roll up and I've just rolled out of bed, like what space am I going to be holding? How interested am I going to be in you? Yeah. I'm going to be so, I'm going to be so out of it. Or if I'm really stressed about whatever I've got going on in my life and I bring that into the room, there is no way. Yeah. There is no way. There's just no way I can be interested in you. I'm too interested in myself at that moment. And self-care fundamentally means go and take care of yourself first. So all that shit's put to the side, it's dealt with, it's it's taken care of, it's wrapped up, it's worked on. I walk into the room and I'm ready to go. So I don't need that shit to get in the way when I'm with my client. I am I'm all about you. Mm. Yeah? And so I can see six, and I don't recommend this to anyone, but I can see six, seven people in a row and be absolutely spot on, focused, because I've done that three hours of work in the morning every day without fail. Mm. You know, you'll catch me out at the same time doing 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 my, my self-care because it's so important. And if I can do that, then I'm switched on, man. I'm switched on, you know. So the way you're nodding now, like I'm, I'm watching that and I'll be like, hmm, you're nodding. Tell me what you're agreeing with. What do you like about what we're talking about? What are you agreeing with? And then for the client, they'll be like, holy shit, this guy's really listening to me. Holy shit, he's really, really wanting to understand what I'm about. Oh, my God, I feel really good being here. And in the space of 40 minutes, Lucas, you can you can build such a strong bond with someone. Is, isn't that something like? 40 minutes, I can build a stronger bond with someone than they, than they have with family and friends they've known their whole life in 40 minutes. Mm. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Does that answer your question? I got a little yeah. bit excited. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I, love, I love it. Let's uh, yeah. keep it flowing because it works. It works yeah. bridging different skills here. Yeah, 100%. So that's it. Like um, listening intently. And showing showing that you're the only you're the only person in the world that I'm interested in that moment, that's the rapport building, and that comes from your self care. Yeah, 
Make sure that you're make sure that you're 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 well looked after. Yeah, before you start, if you're a practitioner, and this goes to this goes to everyone. Do you want to be a better partner? Yeah. Do you want to be a better business owner? Yeah. Stop trying to take care of everyone else. <laughs> Actually, it starts and ends with you. And Sensei would say there isn't anyone but you. Everyone's a reflection of you. So if you're not taking care of yourself, what does that say about the rest of your world? And you know, often you get back, you know, but soul, it's, you know, in in my world, it's considered really selfish to take care of yourself. And I know what it's like, like, you know, training at the dojo four or five nights a week, you know, I would cop shit all the time from friends and family. Oh, what are you training for? What are you doing that for? Who trains that many times a week? So it's like this novel concept to look after yourself and to, and to invest in your mental and physical health. Mm. It's like it's some dirty trait. But actually, it's the only way you can be effective in this world. It's the only way you can be effective to your friends, your family, and your work. I'm a, if I'm not looked after, I'm a terrible partner. Yeah? If I'm just investing in the relationship, if I'm just here and I don't put anything into this, that's, that's a codependent trait. I'm not being a good partner because I'm not going out, I'm not going out and, and fertilising myself and nourishing myself, and I'm not bringing anything back to my relationship. Mm. You've got to go out and have something to bring back to your relationships, to your work. And what's difficult about that is when you start to feel those things like, you know, chronic anxiety and depression, it makes those things harder and harder and harder to do. You know? And I know you would see it in the health world, in the health world Lucas. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? Yeah. The way, the way I look at it, Sol, is like it's the classic quote of um, the practitioner can't heal from an empty, empty cup, right? Like that's what they're, uh, oh, sorry, from a full cup. You have to sort of, you know, create some space to actually mm. give, mm. give out, outward, I guess. Yeah. Another way to think of it is a practitioner can only give from an overflowing cup. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's it's what overflows that I can that I can freely give. Mm. And even if the overflow stops and my cup is full, then my my cup never goes below half. You never want your cup to go below half. A bit like your petrol tank. Never let your petrol tank go below half. Like Sensei would say, always be prepared. Never let your petrol tank. Yeah. All your energy get below half. Mm. Mm. It's funny because with that that whole premise there, like if you're not in a position to show up fully, mm. it's almost like you might as well not show up at all. Like you know, if you don't, if you, you haven't done that self work or you don't have mm. done preliminary preparation, yeah. Well, well, you can, and a lot of practitioners do, and you can still do good work. Mm. But there's a problem. It'll catch up with you eventually. Okay. You know, our bodies are like a bank, you know. The financial game is very much like the self-care game. It works off the same things, you know, credits, you know, and deficits. 
you know, there's only so many checks you can cash, yeah, until the bank wants its money back. The bank being your body, and your body will shut you down. Things like burnout. Burnout's a very, very real thing, yeah. If you're not taking enough care internally, everything becomes external. The problem with external, it's a lot of doing. It's a lot of doing. And for a practitioner, yeah, it's a lot of trying to fix people. It's a lot of me doing it for you. Do you know what the problem with me doing it for you is, Lucas? Was it depleting your own resources? It kills my own resources, but more importantly, on top of that, what does it stop you from doing? Oh, it's working on yourself. Like, yeah. Like- yeah, well, yeah, it stops you from figuring it out for yourself. Mm. Yeah. You asked me before about why do we jump in? Yeah. It's because we're impatient and we don't, and, and when we don't have enough energy, we want to fix it quickly because it's too uncomfortable. Makes sense. Yeah. So we go into fixing mode. It takes a lot of energy to sit back. Oh my God. And take your time and let the person figure it out themselves. Yeah. So, what was, I'm sorry, I'm going into therapist mode. Uh, <laughs> Don't, don't hold it against me, but what what resonated for you on that? Just then, yeah. it, it's, oh, you just hit the nail on the head there. And mm. I realize at times when I personally have been impatient with people around me, it's because the energy expenditure of actually sitting and holding back is, is, is too much. And then it's going to, I know it's going to, it's just crazy. <laughs> Oh, God. And I was just saying the other day, so I literally uh, uh-huh. yeah. post friends that um, I feel like one of the best traits of being an entrepreneur in myself is that I'm impatient. I'm so impatient. And so I just get so much shit done. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great trait. Mm. Yeah. It's a great trait to have in business. Yeah. But you've got to know when to harness it and when to, you know, and when to pull the reins on it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Deploy it when it's necessary, but pull it's back. Necessary. Yeah. 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 Like in a, in, a, in a therapeutic relationship, for instance, it doesn't work because you're not where I am. So I say you as the general you. We'll just say client instead. The client's not where I am. So if I'm punching out the ideas for them and I'm talking about everyone's just a reflection of you, you know, so you're responsible for everything and from that place you can change it, blah, 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 and I start hitting them with the concepts, like they'll never come back. Mm. So in, in the therapeutic alliance, point of view my job is to actually not do that impatient thing yeah through you know through skillful inquiry you know being or using practical empathy which is another thing we can get into using practical empathy which is for me to stay detached from or for me to not take what i'm hearing personally and to not get involved and listen deeply to what the other person's saying. Yeah. Yeah, you could do you could do great things. Great things. Mm. 
there was another aspect, Sol. I remember you yeah. was um there was a quote I took from one of our classes. It was mm. listen to what you cannot hear. There was that, and it was just resonated with me so much because we spend so much time trying to focus on what's coming out, but then of their mouth, like verbally listening, but yeah. then um, listen to what you can't hear. This might take up the next hour. <laughs> um, so it's funny, like sensei would often say, uh, Watch, watch closely. You can't see it. Mm. Watch closely. You can't see it. Or he would say, look for the things you can't understand. And so basically what he was asking us to do was to go within ourselves. Right? So having that that ability that when the conversation's happening, can you hear what you're doing? Can you hear what you're feeling? Yeah. Can you hear what you're wanting to say? Can you hear what you're getting upset with or agreeing with or getting agitated with? Can you hear how that's positioning your body? Because it'll position your body in different ways. You know, if you hear something you don't like, you might not even notice that you've sat back. Or you might not notice that you sat to the side. So listen for the things that are not being said in yourself first, then over to the other side. Listen to the things that the person's not telling you, i.e. if they're telling you something really upsetting and they've got a stone wall. So look for the discrepancies. Yeah, If they're not looking at you, you know, what else? The one that I really like is catching on to like key phrases, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, you know, I don't know. But what are they not telling me? Hmm. And so I might say something as simple as I noticed that, you know, when just at the point when you get to telling me something that's got a lot of energy behind it, you'll say, I don't know, and then everything comes back to neutral. So I might say something like, I wonder what it's like for you to not say, I don't know, to see if you can hold it and see what happens next. So we might try something like that. So it's it's listening for the things that the person is not saying, listening to the things that are going on for you. There's a whole lot of going, there's a whole lot of going on whole lot of goings on in, in the listening game, yeah? It's not just listening to what somebody's saying. Maybe another simpler way is to listen to what they're doing and to listen to what you're doing and then to watch how that interacts with each other. It's just such a different way of viewing communication. That Right. I, I love this. I love this because it's... <laughs> self-awareness so much yeah and it's all these are all branches of self-awareness yeah Mm. it all sounds really complex but if you're if you're quite aware of yourself you can see these things quite easily you can feel what comes up in you quite easily and you can start to notice what's coming up 
in the client really clearly. My job is not to judge them, just notice them and then allow the person to speak to it when they're ready. That's it. Because all I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving people the chance to put words to things that they've never spoken to before. And all I am is the witness. Just the witness, man. So I'm giving them a relationship to practice on. Doesn't they take that out into the world, man? Like you did. Mm. Just to think that some people have spent years never being able to actually artic- like articulate themselves or actually express themselves. Yeah. Like, oh, you've seen that a ton where like it's the first time they've told anyone in, in years. Like every week. At least, at least <sighs> at least every couple of weeks I'll hear. I can't believe I, you know, I can't believe I'm telling you this, or I've I've never actually said this out loud before. Like, you know, just for your guys out there, like that's think about that for a moment. Think about something in your own life that you've never told anybody before. Uh huh. There it is. <laughs> and now think about voicing it to that person and the and the relief that comes with it when you're not judged and you're just held. Not only are you judged and you're held, but you're also loved in that moment. It changes the game because it, it what it does is it starts to remove the shame. The name of the game is the removal of shame. Or the, or the, not the removal. That's uh, that's too harsh. The name of the game is the understanding and 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 the the better engagement with our shame, because it'll always come up. But how well can you engage with it? You know, do you avoid? Do you run, exit, and avoid? Or do you sit with it and go, no, hang on, I'm okay. We've been here before, and. I've been seen in this and I've been accepted. So I'm okay. I'm good. Mm. Hmm. It's just so powerful. Mm. So powerful. Yeah. And really, like, it's, it's, it's really simple at the same time because... Mm. The, the other aspect of that is it just makes me wonder how many people have not felt comfortable enough to even get into this sort of conversation. Like, whereas you're building that in like, you know, sort of like 40 minutes, you're able to build that level of comfort. That means the majority of the people are literally walking around really like fearful and, and f- like they feel like they're going to be judged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We're threat-based creatures by nature. You know, I've said this before, like for most of us, we're a combination of the habits we've formed to avoid threat. And that becomes our personality. Unless it's checked, really, we're no more than the than the collection of habits we've formed to avoid pain and threat. 
Oh, actually, you just you just reminded me of some a really key thing. I'd love to. Uh-huh. It's um. Uh-huh. Around, I mean, like, it's a bit more complex than that. So, you know, I don't want your listeners to come for me with you know. Uh, it's a little bit more coloured than that. Yes, it is. It's there's so much texture and and flavour to that. Yeah. Um, but just as a general rule, you know, we are we are a a collection of of the habits we keep in the different situations we find ourselves in. So, sorry, continue. I want to, I, I really want to dive into two ends of the spectrum, seeking pleasure versus avoiding pain. And Go for it, yeah. Yeah, this, this sort of something I've noticed, it's around what is the cost of staying where you are versus what is the reward mm. or benefit of progressing towards your goal. And usually which one tends to a humans do humans gravitate more so towards avoiding pain or seeking pleasure? Oh, it's a great question. Well, there's a lot in that, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are pain avoidant creatures and we avoid pain through seeking pleasure. Because achieving goals and moving towards growth you know there is no growth without pain true right there's no growth without pain because in order to grow you've got to shed something of what you are right now it's the same as in lifting right to grow your muscles are going to get sore in order to grow Mm. it's the same in life like in order to move from here to there either in your business or in life or in your relationships or in the way you think about things or in the way you interact that can't happen without a level of discomfort because you were known as being this person, now you're that person. Just by that very nature, people are going to interact with you differently. That's uncomfortable. People are going to expect something of you that you're not willing to give anymore. That's uncomfortable. You might have to question certain relationships. That's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You might have to leave certain relationships, and that's really fucking uncomfortable. And so we tend to opt to stay where we are because we don't want to deal with the loss of what we might need to give up. So we get stuck, and then what do we do when we're stuck? We seek, we seek that kind of immediate dopamine, those immediate dopamine pleasure hits, you know, the, the drugs, the gambling, the whatever it is, you know, that repeated cycle. Mm. What's it, Tony Robbins that said, you know, the, the the guide to ultimate happiness is just continual progress. It's continually moving slowly towards something, a goal, a purpose. It doesn't even have to be big and it doesn't have to be fast, just as long as you're moving towards it. Because you know, ultimately we're attached to nature, aren't we? And I'm, I'm looking behind you and what looks like a, you know, and what looks like a, a beautiful growing leaf or a plant, you know? And what happens to something that stops growing? It dies. In the plant world. It withers. It withers and dies, right? How are we any different? Yeah. Like we're, we're part of nature. We're the same thing. Yeah, we, we, we move to the same rhythms. We're no different. And so if you're stuck, if you're stuck doing 
and being the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. After a while, the repetition of that gets boring. And and that boredom builds a particular type of pain. Yeah. And then we seek, and then we seek those kind of synthetic hits, you know, those addictive kind of activities give us because it means we can get out of the state we're in momentarily without actually changing anything in our lives. Mm. Thoughts? Yeah. Something that's coming up for me now, Mm. um, constant seeking and always looking forward to grow like that. Uh Uh-huh. It. When I wake up every day, I'm like, if I haven't done something productive, a shit day. But but then I'm I'm questioning, oh, I better be careful because if if I'm constantly seeking achievements and uh, you know what I mean, that trap that I'm mm-hmm. you know, that entrepreneurial trap that I've told you I've fallen into. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about maybe how hard you're working towards it, and how high or a particular level of productivity you need to hit each day? Yeah. I mean, you could look at it like that where mm. a certain number of steps I want to do per day. And if I right. haven't, then I haven't, yeah. haven't, haven't suffered. And it's almost like the, even the words that I use sometimes, man, I'm like, if I haven't suffered enough, I haven't had a good day. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. It's weird. It's interesting. <laughs> if I haven't suffered enough, I haven't had a good day. Yeah, I mean that's 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 one way to do it, hundred mm. percent. Yeah, um, because I, I feel like it's something that as humans we don't do enough. Maybe what you're talking about is on the is on the real elite extreme yeah. end of the spectrum, but I feel like for most of us we're over the other end where we're not doing anywhere near enough work on voluntary discomfort voluntary suffering ultimately the person that you are when you're a deer in the headlights is the person that's running it's the person that's running the show yeah so when you're not prepared and you get startled and the spotlights hit you that's the person that's running the show behind the scenes and if you don't have a, a relationship with that that person you're essentially running around blind all day 90% 90% of us is subconscious. So how do we work on what's not conscious? Well, we need to we need to elicit it through activities that make us uncomfortable. For me, it was martial arts. The whole premise of that art is, is uncomfortable. Everything about it, from the movements to the psychology, everything to the to the responsibility you have to take as a human being, it's all on you. Mm. And for me personally, you know, my, my traits growing up was I was a victim and I expected everybody else to do it for me. Mm. And even moving through my 20s, like I was always waiting for someone else to do it, for someone else to figure it out, <laughs> you know, for someone else to show me. Real victim mentality. It's someone else outside of me, something else, someone else's fault. 
And it wasn't until the day I started training, you know, in my early 30s that I started to realize that there is no one else. And that was really bloody uncomfortable. And at least two or three times, I think, throughout my training journey, like I had these awakenings where I just felt like my guts were all over the floor. Like, you know, you get this mirror put in front of you and it shows you exactly how you've been living and how you've been doing things and all the ways in which you avoid showing up in the world. And it is a hard mirror to stare into. But I think it's a mirror we all need to stare into from time to time. How are we showing up in the world? How are you showing up in your world? How are you starting your day? How are you setting yourself up? What are you setting yourself up for? How do you feel when you go to work? How do you feel when you get home? What's telling you to feel that way? What is it? What is it that's telling you to feel shit or, or sad or, or, or lonely or any of those feelings? What's guiding that? Yeah. we're so automatic in how we feel and think there's no critique in there there's no gap between i think his name is stephen covey like seven habits for highly effective people there's no gap between stimulus and response for a lot of people it's stimulus reaction something happens react but we want that space, like I spoke to you about before, that space. Mm. Yeah? And there's a lot of discomfort in that space. And the place where you can elicit that is through practice. You know? Get a trainer. Join a gym. Go to yoga. Work with someone like you. Go get a good, a good teacher, a good sensei. Anyone that's going to hold a mirror up for you and go, can you see what you're doing? <laughs> Can you see what you're doing? Can you hear what you're saying? It's not me. You're saying that. Can you hear what you're actually saying? Can you hear the excuses you're giving? Yeah? And especially at a time like this, where, you know, the universe is, has kind of given us all this, this opportunity to stop and it's made the collective really uncomfortable. And it's and it's really shown that as people, we're not good at sitting with the discomfort of not knowing. You know? mm. Yeah. So how much suffering? I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Is too much suffering too much? Maybe. Like working towards something. And, and I think that's really what self-care is, Lucas. Yeah. Like just to finish on this, like self-care is a mixture of putting aside enough time to do things you love and to take care of yourself, but also enough time to elicit the discomfort, you yeah. know, of who you really are and what you're really afraid of, mm. yeah, and get to work. What is it? The things you're afraid of when you're still is what you avoid when you move. Mm, damn. Yeah. I read that somewhere the other day. Powerful stuff. Mm. Loved it. Yeah. That's where martial arts is so beautiful. It's 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 real-time feedback. I can I can feel from the way in which from how you move your body, what you know, how you're moving, what it is that you avoid in life. Mm. Mm. 
And then I can feel in me and how I interpret that, what it is that I avoid in life. Very uncomfortable, very good. And, you know, it's, it, it's, another, it's another form of listening, man. So cool. How do we tie all that back to listening? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll need to hear it back. <laughs> you know, as, as you were talking, Sol, about... Yeah, um, man. You know, um, something about, like, sort of being, being a leader, and I know we spoke about a few weeks ago. Or, yes, yes, sir. Being a king, almost. Yeah, yeah. And what that means to me, and, like, when I was younger, I always wanted to... Um, I always wanted to leave a space wherever I was. I wanted to leave the space with them talking behind my back about how much of a legend or a good guy. He's such a good guy. You know, I always wanted that vibrational energy left wherever I go. And that's what I'm doing now. Like with what I'm doing with the content, the business I'm building is like, it's almost like a bit of a, a king it's ego though, right? Like it's this, it's me chasing. That's why I'm struggling to understand that, you know? Like chasing validation? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. To be a king mm. is to have um, all your shit together and you're, you're leading the way. Like this guy yeah. with all his shit, he's leading the way sort of thing. Yeah. But there are different ways to lead, right? Aren't there? So many different ways to lead, you know? And, you know, the greatest leaders I know are the ones that make you feel like you came up with it yourself. Hmm. Best leaders I have, I've ever met because they're the ones, they're the ones that, are, that are guiding you and you almost don't feel like you're being guided. That's cool. You know? And, you know, we we're talking about, you know, in, in relation to that topic the other day about, you know, being in a group and being the alpha and being the king and, 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 and being the one that's, you know, that's, that's leading the group, you know. And we said then, you know, there are different ways to lead a group as well, you know. And... You know, one way might be to you know, to have a really strong opinion on certain topics that are being spoken about and making sure that that pierces through. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you smiling? Oh jeez. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the big reasons why I, you, you feel so strongly about, I feel so strongly about certain things. I don't want to be like blasting it through and just like, yeah, has to agree with this. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has to agree with this. And, and not everybody will. And, you know, a good leader is okay with where, where anybody wants to sit. If you agree with me, great. If you don't, even better. You know? And like rather than rather than trying to impose my understanding of the world onto you, 
Why don't you tell me about your understanding of the world? Educate me. So whenever someone would cry out from the back of the room, that's bullshit. I don't believe in that. That's absolute bullshit. And so what, what would be funny at that point is, you know, whatever it is, a workshop or a classroom, there'd be certain people that have run to my defense and start firing shots for me. Well, actually, it's not because he's talking about this and he's talking about this and actually he's talking about that. And in my experience, and it's like, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a much more inclusive way to deal with that. And that's not fighting with one another. That's, well, tell me why it's bullshit. You're right. Mine's only one opinion or it's only one point of view. And you've got a different one. And I'm so eager to hear it. Yeah. And I think it's really important for the environment that we're in. You know, I know people that are, you know, heavily towards one side and heavily towards the other side when it comes to what's going on out there at the moment, you know. And for me, like, I don't care one way or the other. I've got my decision. I've made my choices. I'm really, really comfortable with them. And whatever anybody else wants to do, that's up to them. But if they want to approach me and have a conversation, I'm not going to try and impose my view onto them and go, this is the way, man. This is the way forward. I am the light. Come with me. It's tell me why you feel that way. Tell me why you think there's a conspiracy. Or tell me why you think these people are sheep. Like, whichever way, whichever way you want to go, like, Tell me about it. It's such a beautiful place to sit. Yeah? If you're secure in your choices, if you're secure in your decisions, if you know enough about yourself, you're not going to want to, you're not going to want to jump in and, and yeah. Yeah. But there's also another thing. And that is like, when you're really passionate about someone, you just, you're just so desperate for them to to see the light right yeah i feel like that's where you might be coming from yeah in certain situations yeah really passionate and i feel so strongly that i think the jumping in and sort of like asserting my authority will outweigh the potential harm of i guess saying i don't know it's hard, it's hard to describe that i find that hard but yeah, certain situations where I feel like it's warranted, and I've seen other people do this around me as well. Even some of my, you know, closest friends, where they have done that, they have done that to me, and I'm just like, "What have they done to you?" They've come over the top, big time. Yeah, it's like, yeah, bang, you know, yeah, contrary to what I think, mm-hmm. um, but. I guess what you're saying there is to try not to relate back to them with the same forceful energy, but compassionate inquiry is what you Yeah, yeah, empathic inquiry. inquiry. I knew we'd get there eventually. Like that's that's practical, that's practical empathy. Mm-hmm. Or empathic inquiry is and empathy is how can you remain interested? but dispassionate at the same time. How can I be totally engrossed in your story without getting emotionally involved? 
So we have this idea that empathy is, you know, feel what the other person is feeling. That's not empathy. That's that's sympathy. That's compassion. But empathy is actually a really calm, a really calm, still, dry skill. It's one where you don't waver. It's, okay, well, tell me about it. Okay, well, why do you believe that? Where does that come from? Okay, what do you mean when you say that? I'm, I'm, I'm still a little bit confused. Can you go back to this point? And tell me what you meant when you said this. And ultimately, that that empathy piece is when the person that's speaking to me understands what they're saying, then I'll understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean, Sol? And I'll be like, well, do you know what you mean? And they'll be like, mm, not really. <laughs> they're like, all right, great. Well, Let's go back. Let's keep fleshing it out. And then when they know what they mean, I'll, when they know what they mean, I'll know what they mean. Yeah. And it just does. It takes a little bit of extra work and a little bit of extra sitting and being able to, to just hold yourself in that space. It takes a knowing of oneself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. For me personally, when I started unlocking all this stuff for the first time, like, and I wanted everybody to know, yeah. And it's just, I, I couldn't believe that not everybody knew this. I, it was blowing my mind. How can you not know? How can you not know? How can you not know? My eyes are open. Everybody's eyes should be open. Why are your eyes not open? Are you guys for real? Oh, my God. And so what happened to me was I started removing myself from everyone. I went the other way. I just couldn't be around anyone anymore because they weren't seeing, their eyes weren't open. They weren't enlightened. They weren't, they weren't training. Oh. And so I went the other way. I couldn't actually be around anyone. I was really, I was really difficult to deal with, actually. Because oh. I couldn't be around anyone. That's like, oh my God, dude, I, I can't even hear what you're saying right now. Like a real arrogance almost. Mm. Yeah. So it's not even trying to dominate. I was like, ah, oh, no, nah, you're hurting my ears. I've got to go. And that's that kind of real paranoid part of the training for me. But then you get to that point where it's okay that you know what you know and it's okay that they don't know what you know and it's okay if they never do. And like Sensei used to say to me, the only people that matter are the ones that turn up to training. That's got some depth to it. That's got layers to it. You might have to sit with that one for just a tick. When you describe that approach to communicating or like, I guess, dealing with strong opinions, it just makes me think what a very small percentage of people Mm. do that approach. It's usually Mm. fire back with the emotionally charged. Small percentage. Yeah, it's it's fire back or fire back or hold your tongue and speak behind that person's back or yeah or swallow or swallow it rather than engage in 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 the dialogue. 
because I feel like it's a skill that it's a skill that most people don't even don't even know exists, let alone how to do it. Yeah, like two-way dialogue, engaging with each other, asking questions, sitting with discomfort, you know, everything we've spoken about today, agreeing to disagree, still having love for someone even though they may not agree with how you see the world. Yeah? Mm. Still being okay even if they're upset with you. Like not letting that affect you. And of course you prefer that they weren't upset with you, but, you know, if you've expressed yourself and expressed your needs and you've spoken genuinely from from who you are and that other person walks away not liking you, yeah, not liking you, being okay with that. It's okay if that person doesn't like me because not everybody has to. In fact, what is it? The, the sign that you're doing something significant is, is the amount of people that don't like you anymore. Uh. <laughs> yeah? What's the old uh, Batman quote? Like, yeah, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've thought about that myself with, um, nah. you know, the journey so far with creating, like, content, building a business, whatever, building a brand, where I, I'm like, well, yeah. if the majority... I would say like 95% of people love my shit. And that's like, is that, that's like my tribe. And then there's always going to be that 5% that's going to try and pull you down. Yeah. 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 But you need that also, Lucas. Like that's critical because if you've got no one critiquing your work, then there's, you might not be forced to be introspective and actually have a look at, well, hang on, do these things stack up? You know, if you're only around the people that agree, then you won't have the opportunity to test your work. Same with training. If I'm only training with people that, like, accommodating training partners, they'll move wherever I put them. They'll fall to the ground whenever I want them to. They'll move left when I move left. They'll move right when I move right. And that's great. That really affirms my training. Wow, look at me. I'm amazing. But what about the ones that don't do that? What about the ones that disagree with you? What about the ones that plant their feet into the ground and are like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not moving. I'm not moving unless you unless you take my balance. And then it's great because then it tests your training. Okay, let's see whether what I've been doing actually works. And most times it doesn't, you know, on the mats, which is great because it brings up that discomfort. And it, and it gets you to reevaluate and go back into it. Same in life. Same in life, Lucas. You know, look forward to those conversations or look forward to those people coming for you. You know, calling calling your names or making you know unfair accusations about what you do and 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 what you're offering. Thank them because they're doing you a favour. Yeah. And maybe, well, one of them, one of the, one of the remarks I got was like, dude, you need to buy a new microphone. All right. Maybe I do. <laughs> right. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. I'll look into that. I'll look into that. Have I got that book up there? 
I don't remember the quote exactly, but it's from Hatsumi Sensei, and it's around, you know, when someone throws rocks at you, see them as blessing stones from the gods as a way for you to learn about yourself. <laughs> you know, very much easier said than done, right, when someone comes for you and attacks you. It's not, not easy to do because we all want to defend ourselves. But when someone says, oh, you sound shit, mate, get a microphone. You know, I can't see, yeah, well, I can't see your logo behind you. you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where do you want me to stand? But, you know, we're having a bit of fun with it. But it, it is, it gives you a chance to, gives you a chance to critique your own work hmm. if you're secure enough. And it's why, actually, Lucas, if I'm thinking about it, it's probably why a lot of people don't work towards those little goals. It's because of that. It's because of the judgment. It's because of what people will think. What will my family think? What will my partner think? What will other people think if I do this and carve this little thing out for me? What you do is amazing, really, truly, truly. I follow you in the background. I watch what you do. Truly, it's, it's, it's incredible because our business really is our right arm. It's, it's the closest reflection we have of ourselves. And you put everything out there, man. Like it takes such a, such a bravery because in your business is you, man, you personify. And that's why sometimes it's hard to hear criticism because it's personal. It's like they're criticizing you. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, that's why, that's why I love what you do, man. That's why I just think that, that you're going to do amazing things with your, with your business because you leave no stone unturned, man. You're, you're in it. You know, you're, you're in it and you're prepared to show it. You're prepared to let people see and you're prepared to put big things out there. And like I said, you know, with significance comes resistance. So if it's not, if you don't have any people coming for you, it means you're not doing anything significant enough, really. So it's almost like a, it's almost like a marker for success. There you go. There's a nice flip. Tick. <laughs> Was there anything else on our list? We had a bunch of stuff on our list, didn't we? We did have a little bit around, um, we haven't spoken about generosity. Yep. The illusion, like just generosity and the illusion of generosity. Right. Yes. Yeah, That's that was- right. Do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, my one was like, now that I'm aware of that term, I feel like it's literally, it, it almost feels impossible not to be truly authentically generous because now that I understand that the laws of human nature where give you give you give good to the world and you get back 10 times mm-hmm. general rule of thumb, that that has been occupying my mind at the moment before I'm about to be generous now. So, uh huh. Yeah. 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 And there's a step before that, like the illusion of generosity, is is that we're not involved in it. That's the illusion of generosity. Is that somehow it's me giving you something without any benefit to me. 
even in, in what you said, what I get back tenfold, see? Mm. And so when we're being generous, that's the part that we don't like to look at is actually what part do we play in that generosity? And there's always a part. There's always something in it for us. But to what level? Yeah? It differs. So my understanding of generosity, you know, might be very different to others. So generosity actually for me is firstly, how much can I give to myself? And through that, through that, yeah, I I'm now able to be of service to others just through how I live and how I am and how I interact with the world, how I show up, how I say hello to people, the way I ask people how their day's going, when I can see that they're, you know, knee-deep in it. Like just this morning, someone was making my coffee and you can see that they, they, they weren't okay. She took my order, she wouldn't even look at me. So I, I kind of just ducked my head down and asked, asked, firstly asked for her name and then asked how she was going. Line of people behind me were like, don't worry about them for a moment. Just pretend they're not there. Like, how are you going? And, and you can see, like, her whole demeanor change. Like, that for me comes from how I've set my day up. Uh-huh. Yeah? And because of how I've set my day up and what I've put and in, invested into me, that then gets just through we're connected to our worlds, right? Everything's connected. So what I give me, I then give the world. I then give the people that I interact with. If I'm shitty, I give out that shitty energy. Yeah? And if I haven't got enough energy, I might agree to do something for you that I don't want to do. And I know we've all been there. You say yes to something that you, deep in your bones, that you're like, why do I say yes to that? Oh, my God. God, I'd rather do anything else than do that. Like I'd rather stick pins in my eyes and do that. Why did I say yes? And, you know, everyone will be listening to this right now and you've everyone's got that time they've done that. Like is that generous? <laughs> yeah, you've done something for someone, but at what expense? What's the cost? What's the cost of that giving? Yeah. Give because there's not enough of us out there that that give and that are generous. But at what cost? And us helpers, we're we're natural born givers, but we do it at the expense of ourselves. Mm. Yeah, we do it because we believe that's the role we're here to play. But we don't believe we're we're allowed to actually give to ourselves as well. Mm. Yeah, so it's a long-winded way of saying, you know, that that illusion of generosity comes from looking at the impact that it has on us Mm. or the cost that it has on us, yeah? It's no longer generous, Lucas, yeah, if if it's costing you dearly. Yeah, makes sense. The other aspect of that soul is who comes out on top the one who gives or the one who receives. And the way that I've looked at it is, well, actually, I feel better than they. Let's say I'm giving 
an actual <laughs> do you know what I mean by that? <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm coming out on top here. I've just given I've just bought you lunch. Yeah. But How good is that? It's the best feeling ever. But I yeah. you look at yeah. it from the scoring system, I'm actually down one point, but really I actually feel better than them. Like I've got I've got the the exact same scenario. It's the first time I went out. It's the first time, you know, I had a bit of money in my bank account, so I wanted to buy Sensei and his partner and a couple of people. On me, on me, on me. I got this. I'm so generous now. And I'll never forget what Sensei said to me after I paid. You know, there I was expecting a whole bunch of thank yous and for people to get down on their knees and, and, you know, and tell me they're not worthy and whatnot. (laughs) See what I was expecting from my generosity? Can you hear the expectation? And since they looked at me, he goes, thanks for paying for lunch, so very selfish of you. Wow. And I was like, say what now? What? And, and I've come to understand so many different angles on that one phrase over the years. But I bought everybody lunch because of the feeling that it was going to give me. I bought Sensei lunch because of how proud I felt to be able to buy my teacher his food. And he just responded to that. He's like, very selfish of you. Well done. I like it. It means you care about your training. That was the other part of it. It means you care enough about the interaction you've had with your fellow classmates that you you paid for that. So I love it. If I go out, if I go out for lunch with a friend or someone and 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 I feel like I've really gotten something out of it, man, I'm paying and you can't you can't stop me. Because that's my investment now. I'm investing in that. I'm selfishly paying. I'm not paying for you. I'm paying for me. Mm. I'm paying because of what I get out of it. So, yeah, you actually, you might be down money, man, but you're up in everything else. And like you said before, when you're investing, it comes back. Like getting into the business jargon. Like one of my core values is to look for the investment, not the cost. Yeah. I was very cost-driven as a person about what everything would cost me. Now I'm looking for the investment in those interactions. How can I find the thing where I can put that investment into myself? And then you're right, it it pays out. It pays outward. Mm. I buy that lunch, that's an investment in me because it made me feel good. So I'm paying for it. And then without a doubt, like you said before, it's coming back tenfold. Tenfold. Easy. Always does. It's, it's you know, the law of the universe. Breathe in, breathe out. You know, money goes out, money comes in. So we're really getting on a roll today. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. You got me all worked up. Got a good day. Good day for it. Great day for it. <sighs> Well, the way, the way that you describe even there, like how you 
you know, when you want to share lunch, similar to me, because I, I said this to a friend the other day, I'm mm. like, oh, it's, such a, it's such a king move to do that. <laughs> you feel like such a king being able mm. to shout the group, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So can you hear the illusion of generosity in that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me about everything you feel. So it's just important to recognize that, you know, if you do something for someone, just understand that it's doing something for you because if it's not reciprocated, yeah, oh, and and if you're not bought a lunch in return or something, you might feel like you've been betrayed or you might feel like you've been hard done by. But when when you see your part in it, it actually helps to deal with that side of things. Yeah, makes sense. So, so. If I go out to lunch with someone and I pay for it all and then we go out some other time and he forgets and I end up paying two and a I don't care or he, he wants to split the bill or she wants to split the bill, whatever. Mm. I, I understand my role in that previous interaction. I know who I did that for. So, therefore, I don't get upset about this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? They might have forgotten. Who knows, they might have had a bad day. Who knows, they might be really strapped for cash. They might be doing it really tough and they can't pay. You don't know what that other person's situation is. And if you're not careful, you'll get shitty with them because it's their turn to pay and they didn't. Not realising that maybe there are other circumstances going on for them. And previously, you actually didn't pay for them, you paid for yourself. (laughs) 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 i love these rabbit hole chats man i love them i love them i I hope i hope i really do hope your listeners get something out of this either that or they'll think i'm stark raving mad (laughs) cool cool well let's wrap it up let's Let's do it let's allow my listeners as i do with every other podcast if they want to connect with you yeah let them know where they can find you. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So the website is www.themindninja.com.au or they can email me, which is Solomon at themindninja.com.au. Awesome. Yeah, jump on board there, man. There's a there's there's a bunch of testimonials. They might even see your pretty face on the website. <laughs> That's it. <Yeah? laughs> That's it. I really appreciate you inviting me on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to to talk about these things. Thank you for being here. And um, I'm sure, you know, we'll be in touch after this and who knows what the future holds. Who knows, who knows man? Who knows? It's exciting times. It's exciting times. And a shout out to everyone out there, yeah, who's um, who's holding it down at the moment during these difficult times. Yeah, respect. Respect to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And respect to you, brother. Thank you again. <laughs> Thanks, <Noah. laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you, Beast. Thank you. All right, man. We'll chat soon. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.